This is the Mobile Tech Podcast, brought to you by worldpodcasts.com. Now here's your host, tech girl, Miriam Joar. Hi, and welcome to the Mobile Tech Podcast. I'm your host, Miriam Joar, and today is Wednesday, March 13th, 2019, and my guest is Richard Lai of Engadget. Hi, Richard. How are you? Yay. Thanks for having me, Miriam. Always a great pleasure to talk banter with you. So... <laughs> Absolutely. You know, it's it's episode 101. You were on episode one. So I figured oh, wow. I can have you on one every 100th episode, you know, <laughs> or something. It's amazing. Isn't it? And congratulations on this milestone. By well, the thank way. you. I mean, it's a show a week, roughly. There has been weeks with two shows. Like every time I go to like MWC or CS or Google IO, I usually give people two shows. One that's like a one-on-one that kind of analyzes the early parts of the show. And then the next show, I usually do a group thing where everybody just has a good time, you know? <laughs> well, that's that's what matters, really. It's all about having a good time. You it's know? what a podcast should be. I think a podcast should be informative and entertaining. And so exactly. I try to have people on that can do both. And you, obviously, are oh. best of the breed. So here you are. Oh, too kind. Ah, too kind. You deserve it. <laughs> Speaking of best of the breed... Uh, maybe, and this is up for debate, let's talk about the kind of elephant in the room of the week of phone news, and that's the Vivo Apex, a bunch of journalists gathered in Hong Kong. I didn't know this was going on. I don't really have that great of a relationship in the sense that I haven't really connected with the Vivo team very well, um, probably because I'm not big enough for them. But, you know, <laughs> they invited folks like David Ruddock and a bunch of others to fly all the way out there to Hong Kong, to your to your city. Uh, for you, it was probably just a bus ride or whatever, right? Subway ride. But just across the harbor. There you go. Yeah. Just um, <laughs> just across the way. So, y- yeah. what what is your you know what are your thoughts on this crazy quote unquote portless phone? I have issues with that wording, by the way, because I oh, believe yeah. that that magnetic thing on the back is a port. It's a port. Yeah. So, I mean, for for those who aren't familiar with this, so this is the Vivo Apex 2019 edition. Uh, the reason why I'm pointing this out is because this is the second Apex phone from Vivo. Last year, it was the Apex where they introduced this concept of an all-screen design with a pop-up camera and a, a in-display fingerprint reader that, that took up half the screen's space. But uh, obviously, that never entered mass production. But the rest of the phone ended up being the Vivo Next, Vivo NEX. That's right. So... So this is why I'm so excited uh, for the, this new Vivo uh, Apex 2019. It's an all-glass design, very brave, very ballsy of them to do that, but it looks so good and it felt nice in my hands too. You can imagine, it's like a very well-polished slab of, I want to say pebble. Yeah. Um, I don't know what's a marble, whatever it is. It, it's a piece of gem. And That's so how, I would put how it. do they achieve I w- that? I mean, obviously, it sounds to me more like almost ceramic than glass. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's definitely glass for sure. They, uh, uh, it, it does require a special process because they didn't just shape this piece of glass into this, uh, whatever you want to call it. Shell, like right? Shell-like yeah. kind of shape. They also added extra thickness around the bezel. Ah. To, to make sure it doesn't crack right away when, when it's dropped uh, and when it lands on a corner. Which, by the way... Yeah, you have exactly... a great story about that. I, I didn't <laughs> want to bring it up because I don't want to embarrass you, but... 
Oh no! I mean, that's how I, I lead uh, my my uh, article, and it's literally in the first paragraph. Um, so basically, um, I was trying to hold two apexes, two apex units in one hand for a photo. You know, there's one of the front and one of the back. Yeah, that that and, thing where we like to do the the cards in our yeah, hands thing, right? Where exactly. We, we take hold the camera on the right hand and then hold them together on the left, and it's tricky. Exactly. It's tricky. It's tricky. And them being made out of glass. Yeah, I should have known better. One of them slipped off my hand. And guess what? It landed on another apex, which oh was goodness. on the table, and smash. Oh. That phone was totaled. It like, did it actually destroyed. break in half that you could see parts no, of no, it no. inside? No, not that bad. It's just the glass part that, that shattered. The front, the, the display. The part. back, the back. The actually. back, okay. The back. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but luckily the other phone, the phone that slipped uh, escaped from my hand, seemed fine. So How incredible! Yeah, so it, it's very interesting, isn't it? It is how how one phone of the same kind just totally destroyed the other, and uh, yeah. So so I mean, to be fair, in Vivo's defense, and I'm very sorry about that. Again, I, I apologize to Vivo's team. Uh, I I know they have very few units in existence so oh my god and i'm sure so each of them is worth a penny a penny exactly yeah. uh uh but yeah I, i've lost track of what i was gonna You're say, gonna say it's, it's pretty damn durable despite you being a klutz <laughs> yeah 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 basically <laughs> basically basically so so it, it kind of yeah so in viva's defense any phone with a glass back or or the front for that matter would have shattered with that kind of impact anyway true but but what so, but what i was impressed with or surprised by was the fact that the other phone that landed on the unfortunate device were, was uh, left undamaged right so so clearly they it kind of shows that their design um with that extra thickness around the bezel actually works but uh it's a costly process as well it, you know the, it involves cnc machining hot bending, um, special grinding methods and all that. But what's interesting is that, according to the product manager I spoke with, Mr. Ding said there's a very good chance that they will actually mass produce a glass-like device based on this design. It makes sense. So they, they're saying it's possible. They're saying it's actually feasible to mass produce it. He didn't, he didn't say anything about costs, nothing about volume. So who knows? Maybe they can still do it. Um, but it's definitely happening maybe sometime this year. So we shall see. I'm excited by that because, you know, with the, they, they delivered a big chunk of the promise of the last year's product, right? The last year Apex prototype or concept. And mm -hmm. this year, uh, there's other things we we're about to talk about that I think are kind of blowing my mind about this phone. Um, but um, I, hopefully they can at least deliver on part of this by giving us a, a, an all-glass phone. And, and not many people are probably going to get in arms. Oh, come on, we don't need more glass because the glass shatters, etc. But I, I just feel like there's something about the material that's it, that the glass as a material for phones that makes them feel so amazing in hand. Much better, in my opinion, than, uh, you know, a machine unibody aluminum or stainless and of course, it, it, you know, has all kinds of advantages, antenna placements, especially in this crazy 5G world we're about to enter. This is a 5G phone, right? Yeah, it is indeed. It's powered by Snapdragon 855, and they say it's got a 5G modem, so I guess it's got to be the X50, X50 modem. Yeah. 
Um, uh, yeah, and it's got 12 gigs of RAM and 512 gigs of storage. But none of that matters anyway. It's, no, that's... It's all... Yeah, these figures, they can throw whatever inside for whatever is available at the time when they decide to mass, mass produce this anyway. Uh, but what's really interesting here in terms of components is the fact that not only does this Apex do in-display fingerprint reading, it actually it works across the entire, entire screen. screen. Yeah, can, insane. I, is this is, and yeah, multi-fingers too, right? So you can say like, I want three fingers, these specific three fingers or whatever, two fingers to be the unlock, right? Well, for the demo, they only enabled uh, two-finger okay. authentication. Yeah. But uh, so, so not only that, the registration process was also so much quicker. I only had to tap twice and that was it. Is it ultrasonic or optical? Would they specify? It's optical. optical. Wow. Optical. I did ask specifically about that. And they said, uh, considering power consumption and maturity of what they already have, they decided that optical was still the way forward. And as you can see, it works. The registration part, it it was very fast. Um, I think... The uh, recognition was quite fast as well. I mean, obviously that that requires a bit more usage over time to to really tell whether uh, how reliable, how accurate that this technology is. But during my one hour long hands on session, it, it worked fine. Everything worked fine. I could I could even unlock the phone with two finger uh, fingerprints and. Yeah, I was living in the future. Yeah, it's insane. It was that, amazing. It's just cost prohibitive, though they said right now. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, essentially, this requires applying a whole array of optical sensors underneath that AMOLED uh, panel. So that's like you're multiplying the bomb by <laughs> God knows how much. You know? So yeah, the guy, the product manager did say it's going to cost a lot. But at least at this stage, they can show that it works. Right. It's possible. And I think with yeah. economies of scale, as these sensors go down and get better, more accurate and go down in price, it start ha- hitting the mid-range and the lower range of phones. It's possible for them to, I think the, you know, from a engineering manufacturing perspective, I think the holy grail is a single sensor that covers the whole display rather than discrete sensors so that you can, you know, create basically a, a single piece of silicon that, that does fingerprint sensing rather than interconnecting all these sensors underneath the display. That'll bring economies of scale in manufacturing. So the combination of the price going down, the accuracy going up, then being able to scale the size of a single sensor into like a larger surface that they can put under the display. I think we're not, I wouldn't be surprised if it takes less than two years for this to become commonplace on high-end phones, to be honest. Okay, okay. Yeah, maybe maybe in about a year's time even. Yeah. We shall see. I mean, we've seen how yeah. aggressive. Think about the conversations we were having around phones a year ago with the first Apex concept. It feels to me like two years ago, but it's uh-huh. only a year ago. And, and it brought us pop-up cameras. You know, it spawned this revolution of the race for the complete full screen display that doesn't have any bezels. And we have a few phones on the market now that achieve this and don't make very many compromises for it, including you know, the Mi Mix 3 um, and, and, and others. And I think that's, to me, that's what's exciting about it. And, and I think that, yeah, it's only a year ago, but it just feels like so long ago to me that, that we were talking about 
you know, full screen displays and pop-up cameras. And here we are with like a, a full display fingerprint scanner. So, wow. Yeah. And you, you know what else is uh, invisible here? The buttons. Yes. And there so that's obviously no... the big deal, right? That's what they built it as originally, the portless phone. Portless, buttonless phone. Uh, so what's happening here is you. there are three... Um, I guess you could call them capacitive buttons because they are based on capacitive sensors. Mm -hmm. But um, in, in order to increase the accuracy, they've also added these pressure sensors between each, uh, between these uh, capacitive sensors. So it's like a sandwich. Right. Capacitive, pressure, capacitive, pressure, capacitive. And, and it worked fine for me, you know. I uh, so you know the problem with HTC's implementation yeah, of yeah, the of pressure course. sensing buttons. So that was the wrong way of doing it because you you had to like push hard on those fake buttons, right? Yeah, I, I don't know if you if that was your experience. Oh, it was terrible. The, yeah. So even that with all the software updates, they tried they tried to yeah. convince us that they fixed it, but it was never good. But we know it can be done right. Remember all the iPhones like the eight that have a home button that doesn't physically click. We know it mm -hmm. can be done properly. Mm, yeah. Well, I mean, uh, well, the thing, well, the thing with Apple's button is that it's just a single button. I think the challenge is to do it with a row of buttons. Right. Right. So, and I'm happy to say that uh, the Viva Apex does not have this issue. I think they kind of blended the best of both worlds by combining both types of sensors here. And somehow it works. I think they can even tone, uh, tone, um, dial down the sensitivity a little as well, because it was <laughs> working it, a little too well. Does it know? give you haptic feedback? It does. It does. They they have a linear motor. Of course, you need that. Providing that, and yeah. that's what so Apple does really yeah. well. I think with the home button, you know, you really feel that click, mm. right? And right. and that's yeah. what you want. So so either do you have to place your fingers in a specific location or roughly in that area, and it knows you mean the power button or the volume rocker based on roughly the one third up of the phone you use or something? Is that how it works? So um, so but first of all. There is a mark, a very subtle dash line mark for the power button, because you do need that when the phone is turned off. Right. Because otherwise there's no indication. So that's kind of slightly above the halfway point on the right yep. side. Mm -hmm. And then and then obviously you've got uh, the volume keys. So there's volume down and then volume up at the top. And so when the phone is on, if you touch anywhere around those three buttons, you do get a prompt. Uh, like a temporary, these labels. Like an overlay, give right? That a point visual, which buttons which. Yeah, 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 on the screen. Exactly. And it matches the position. Got it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so they stay on for like three seconds or so. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it's just long enough uh, to, to give you a hint and short enough to not annoy you, I think. Can you get like muscle memory? Do you think that if, you know, because volume rocker sure, is definitely yeah. something you want to do when you're in a call with the phone to your ear, so. Yeah, yeah. I... I reckon, I reckon over time, it, I can learn that. Yeah. Especially with the help of uh, haptic feedback. I'm sure that's possible. Cool. Uh, yeah. Wow. I, 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 yeah. Hopefully, maybe they'll even uh, let you turn off these visual cues as well over time. If you feel like, if you feel confident about feeling those buttons. So, yeah. That's very cool. And so now let's talk about the lack of ports because I feel that they, they lied a little Cheap. bit there. The, the oh, first yeah. photo I saw was of like this little magnetic 
um, <laughs> cable thing stuck to the back of the phone. And I thought at that time that it was kind of more like what Essential did with their accessory mount. Right. Where it was just, yeah. you know, using wireless data and power transmission with magnets holding things in place. And I was like, ah, yes, that's how you do it. That's smart. Um, you know, in a, you could have, a, in addition, you could still have Qi charging, but this would be like a more bespoke, much faster, much more focused in one area of the phone uh, coil system that would be more, uh, you know, and magnetically. But then when, you know, I saw more frictures, I realized that's actually a row of contacts, like basically pogo pin type contacts like you see on smartwatches it's just usb right yeah it's I just it's, it's just yeah. a bunch of contacts and then it's magnetically yeah. attaching to that so to me that's really a port i'm sorry to say vivo this is a port yeah. it's just not yeah. a usb c port but it's a port i think they kind of interchange interchange between portless and holeless holeless how I does that work though how where are the microphones that's the thing there is one microphone hole Oh, it's so it is not holeless either. So it's not holeless. Ah. That's why that's why I use port free or portless. But you're right. The uh, technically speaking, that Mac port. I mean, it's in the name. It's literally called Mac port. Mac port. It's like my Mac so, safe almost. Yeah. So I don't know. I mean, I so I did ask why did they didn't just go with uh, a wireless charging and b some sort of wireless data connectivity. Um, which was what Meizu, uh, Meizu, you know. Yeah, we'll uh, talk claimed. about that in a minute, but yeah, 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 exactly. But yeah, so the guy just said, uh, said, oh, well, wireless charging is quite mature already, but with the Apex, we're, it's all about trying something totally new, some, something that, that's never been done before. So that's why we made this magnetic connector. And I'm like Apple made mm, that before. It's called MagSafe. Not on the phone. Not on the phone. On a phone, yeah. Okay. Wait, yeah. no. There's been phones with magnetic connectors. Uh, oh. The one of the Palms. Um, Palm, not Pixie. The the little one. Palm Pre. Not Pre. The one that was pre-generation, but it was small. Hmm. You know the tiny, oh, tiny, oh. tiny one. Yeah, it was only on one carrier. Yeah, and it had a magnetic connector. Like exactly like that with a row of peak pogo pins. And it was, it was, uh, and it, the headphone jack came as a little magnetic attachment that clunked to the side of the phone. <laughs> See, so, so that's, that's why you need. Actually, I take that back. I take that back. You know what? Sony, a whole, whole, whole bunch of Sony Xperia phones. Did they have that? Exactly. So I'm going to say it's not new. But that's just a charger though. Yeah. yeah. There's no data. This one is charging uh, power and And data. the Palm one was charging and, and data as well. So okay. interesting. I mean, look, the reality is, you know, of course, people forget. So it's the world's first, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, they never had that, that Palm phone in China, I guess. No. So there's no. that too. No. Yeah. I mean, uh, look, I mean, it, this is... I think I prefer Meizu's kind of direction. Uh, well, yeah, I, th I, I think I'll, I'll skip that for now because we'll be talking about that later. Yeah. Uh, maybe we can... Fit, uh, let me see what else. Uh, oh, so, so 5G, there's eSIM, which I, for obvious reasons I couldn't try. So there's no SIM slot. There's no SIM tray. Apparently that that's sense. a feature. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't like I that, but I understand what they're trying to do. Yeah, and I, I respect like that, that, I think. Yeah. Um, oh, you know what? what? There's no front-facing camera here. Oh, I was going to ask about that. There's none. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. So I've been meaning. So I finally got a chance to ask someone, um, you know, from Viva about that, and they were being 
it was an awkward response. That guy was like, you know, <laughs> gosh, putting on that PR hat, you know, <laughs> you know we, 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 we have a lot of experience, exp- you know, trying various methods to keep that whole screen, that full view display. We made the first pop-up camera. We played with notches. We even did a dual display phone. <laughs> where we blah blah blah. Uh, that's what I'm using, by the way, right now. The Vivo NEX dual display edition. Ah, it's pretty awesome. Cool. I don't use the uh, rear display that often, to be honest. But uh, that's a cool design. I, I like saw. I phone. finally saw it. Um, no, actually, I saw the Nubia one. I didn't see the Vivo one. Yeah, the Nubia isn't as practical as this, I have to say, at least for the rear screen anyway, because that one's way too tiny. Right. But it looks cool, though. It looks cool. So anyway, going back to this, so that guy was like, he basically just wouldn't budge. He wouldn't say uh, what, why they didn't include one, why, did, why they didn't even do like a punch hole, whatever. But so, so I was like, so what's the deal here? Are you guys just hiding something you guys have something even more awesome in the works and the product manager strangely he hesitated for like three or four seconds he was smiling he was grinning you know that it it was that kind of awkward moment yeah no that guy wanted he had so much more to say he wanted to tell me more but he just could not he was he had to keep his lips tightly sealed yeah so in the end, he said to me, and this is all in Chinese, by the way. Right, so right. That's the benefit of uh, being able to speak in their mother tongue. He said, anything is possible. There are many, there are more options out there. I'll leave that with your wildest imagination. Well, we know what's inevitably coming, right? What is inev- inevitably coming is a under-display camera, right? Like, basically, yeah. hole punch, but without the hole. Like, basically, you don't see it when there's it's not, not in there's use. There's no hole. It's not a hole punch. Yeah. We, and, need, a, we need an awesome name And when that. you turn it on, you know, Ninja black camera. hole appears in the display, and the camera just takes a photo underneath Ooh. right through the display. This is coming, absolutely. What it requires yeah. right now is... Yeah, I, I, yeah I, did, I did imagine that. Like, say LCD. LCD is just, like, on and off, right? Right. So if you, uh, I actually forgot which way around it does. But say uh, you turn on the front camera, then the LCDs just empty out and reveal the camera. Right. I know there, there's still going to be grids of lines in the way because of the matrix, but that's kind of what I've been imagining. Like and it's the same with works. OLED. OLED is so thin that you could probably, um, if you have a sensitive enough camera with a big, with a bigger enough aperture, like a fast enough lens, mm. you should be able to overcome the transparency loss from having that OLED AMOLED this layer on top and or the grid, as you said, on the on the TFT IPS yeah. panel. And yeah. the thing is that the grid will not really be that big of a deal because it's so close to the camera that it's always going to be out of focus. So, you, so ideally, you just need a really sensitive camera to be able to get over that, that kind of smudge, as yeah. it were, and then take yeah. the photo. So all we really need is more sensitive uh, sensors with better performing lenses to make this a reality at this point, I think. Mm. So maybe that's what he was trying to, uh, what he was hinting at. So if that's the case, then yeah, let's, let's see what they can do with that. It, it, I mean, 
that's the way to go, really. Yeah, I mean, there's so there's only so much you can do in terms to differentiate your product these days. I mean, yeah, we we've we're getting more and more uh, all screen designs. Some of them are doing pop up cameras. We're getting well teardrop notches, which I still personally prefer that over. Um, those punch holes really i love the punch hole over everything else uh, the fact that it's in the corner and it's out of my way i just absolutely absolutely love it i think it's the best thing we've had in terms of trying to put a camera that takes away display real estate really. i think it's just stupid though like you're by why why do you just move everything to right to that corner because, because there's a there's psychological nothing, element here richard yeah so the that's the thing fact that there is a bit of space around the camera that's display means your your um your brain fills that in it fills that in even though so ridiculous no no it's 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 real this has been this has been proven did you see marquez's video on this he had no. he talked about this and the entire time he talks about it he actually did that on his video he had a hole punch in his video, a black hole in the corner of his video, and nobody sees it until he points it out by putting his finger up. And you go like, uh, my brain filled that in to be concrete because it was on top of a concrete pillar. Holy crap. You made your point so effectively, Marquez. You win. I'll link to that video in the show notes. By the way, I will link to your store, obviously, in the show notes about the Apex, right? But I think okay. there's that, that psychological thing where we fill in that hole because it's surrounded by the same color or material and, and you don't get that with a notch. And so if you, what you're proposing is put a notch in the very corner. And that's fair. I get it. But that, that would be the most practical way. Like you waste, you don't waste any extra screen space that way. But look, I have, I personally have the, the only phone I have right now. I don't still don't have a Galaxy S10 review in it, but I have, I have the Honor View 20. And yep, that I camera that. is really small. Like it just doesn't get in the way. I don't. I don't mind. Yeah. Yep. So. But but still, if you think about it, if that gets tucked all the way in the corner, then you get more usable space. That's what I'm saying. I, I'm. No, more no, I agree. But I don't think it's going to have the same effect psychologically. You're going to notice it more. That's why. That's why I'm all for having teardrop notches. I think that's the best of both worlds. You know, I mean, if you think about essential, the, the first real notch or hole punch or combination thereof, if you want to call it that, it's kind of a hole punch that continues into a notch, right? And it, I think yeah. if it's big, right? Unfortunately, because it's first generation. But if it, you made that smaller, yeah, um, I, then yeah. why even bother with account. a teardrop? Does it have to be in the shape of a teardrop? No, I, I think it could just be tiny, tiny Tucked little away. circle continued into a, a rectangle, you know? Or something like that and yeah. it could so, be in the corner as you said or anywhere really yeah yeah how about exactly. the yeah the bottom is bad for for selfies but yeah <laughs> i i think honestly we're heading very rapidly towards a camera behind the display at this point yeah i mean i i know i know people in the startup world where they um there, there was this one startup one group that tried to get funding to, to work on that kind of technology. Unfortunately, they didn't get enough funding to continue. But what you what we discussed just now, that's kind of what they were leaning towards. On, yeah. So yeah, I think I think it's it's coming. I think it's coming. Good. We want that. Well, what about the rest of the phone? And I mean, again, it's specs at this point. It's a concept. It doesn't really matter because if it ships um, in a device, it'll have different specs. But what do they have for a rear camera? 
Rear camera, nothing too exciting. I, again, that it's just numbers. So there's like a 13 megapixel camera plus a 12 megapixel camera. They didn't talk much about that, to be honest. So again, it's they could have just left those out as well, actually. <laughs> just like they did with the front camera. I can talk about the audio part, actually. Oh, yeah, let's talk there's, about that. There's, there's no speaker. There's no conventional speaker All here right. for, for the same reason, because it's a quote-unquote holeless <laughs> Oh, his smartphone, except for the microphone on the bottom. So this is ah, um, uh, I uh, um, they they've actually done this, done something similar before, and this is like a beefed up version. So they've put the actuators right up against the backside, so the glass shell. Hmm, interesting. And it's it's hard for me to describe, but you know, uh, the sound of something is affected by. The sounding material, like right. uh, you, you know, you know, a speaker sounds wooden because of the wooden material of the nature of uh, wood, and in this case, it's glass. So naturally, the sound coming out of the phone has a strong bias towards high the, pitch, the right? high pitch, yeah. treble. Uh, but however, uh, you, you've probably played the LG phones. Yeah, recently, I have. You know, yeah, with yeah I played with them at feature. MWC. Yeah. So basically, that's what's happening with this. So once once you put the phone, put the Apex on the table, then you get the full uh, frequency range. And it sounded surprisingly good, to be honest. Yeah, I bet. Yeah, yeah. So um, I'm okay with that. I'm okay. With that. There doesn't seem to be any compromise so long as you're blasting music onto a larger surface. Preferably wood, you know, something softer to compensate for yep. the hard glass material. Yep. Yeah, so that's the audio part, and I think I think that's pretty much it. I mean, that's a pretty interesting device. And I, I think for me the you know, the there's a bunch of things that stand out, but the thing that stands out the most, I think, for me is the uh is the entire screen fingerprint surface. Yeah. Oh yeah, that is the coolest Everyone's thing here, and then that. of course the glass design is, I think, very interesting. I do feel that that cheaped out a little bit by putting that magnetic pogo pin port. I would have put some sort of magnetic wireless data and charging port, which is totally feasible today, uh, and I think it would have ended up in a in a much cleaner design. I'm fine with the no front facing because it's a camera because it's a it's a concept. I'm fine with the one single hole for a microphone. Although my question is, why not put that on the on the bezel edge where you uh you know where for example the view 20 from honor has its speaker right like right literally on that little plastic um seal that glues the phone together between the the display glass and the shell of the phone right that would be a good place for the mic um also you know this this brings up something we're going to discuss in a second with rumors and stories but one of the big disappointment for me in my oneplus 6 review sorry oneplus 6t review on Geekspin is that I felt like they lost the notification light because of the teardrop and the fact that they relocated the earpiece and in that little slit between the display and the shell. But, you know, HTC for years has put little LEDs inside their speaker <laughs> yeah. uh, oh, yeah. uh, speakers. And, and here's the kicker. Honor on the View 20 has exactly done that. They have the earpiece on that edge uh, seam area and then the inside of it have an LED for notification. I cannot believe that OnePlus did not do that. I mean, you know, no, notification light to me is one of the big losses on the OnePlus 6T. That and of course the headphone jack. 
Um, I love the OnePlus 6 and 6T, but if I have to recommend a phone from OnePlus now, obviously I would say wait till the OnePlus 7. But for last year, it was the OnePlus 6 because even though you have more battery life with the 6T, I feel that headphone jack, notification light, and, and a fast fingerprint reader in the back of the phone far away trump the other thicker, bulkier design with that in-display fingerprint reader that no matter how you cut it is not reliable for me. Not enough mm-hmm. anyway, you know? Yeah, the I think uh, comparing the 6T with the 6, the only real benefit is the longer screen. And battery life, you know? right? Bigger battery. And battery yes, technically speaking. And uh, the, it's the same cameras anyway, right? Yeah, same camera, yeah. same software, same I, everything. I'm, I was so disappointed by that uh, OnePlus's in-display fingerprint reader. Because, as you know, like, in a way, Vivo... And Oppo and OnePlus all belong yeah, to BBK, yeah. To the same same family. Um, even though what I heard was that for for Oppo, OnePlus is just their client. I they, see. That's how that's what their business relationship is. So, huh. so but that but explains I'm just so many things. <laughs> so I, I'm telling you, I I jumped from the OnePlus Six T. Uh, McLaren edition, by the way, which is what I also <laughs> straight, use. Yeah, yeah. So straight to the Vivo NEX2 Display Edition, right? And oh my god, that the the fingerprint reader on the Vivo is so much better. So it's a huge improvement, so, right? Yeah, fifth generation. I mean, I don't know which one uh, OnePlus was using, but but with the OnePlus, it was just struggling when I whenever I moved to like a really bright place or a mostly dark room because it's all optical right yeah and so i thought shit you know maybe uh, vivo would have the same issue but no at no point did i have any issues I, it, I, it works just as fast or even faster than the conventional fingerprint well i know it can be better i just that's exactly my issue with it is that i know that they could have picked a better generation or newer version of the sensor and it would be a big improvement you know but the mate 20 pro has the same problem it's more reliable than OnePlus 60 but not by much and i think that they're the same generation you know yeah i think so too and you know which phone is also like that to me is the vivo r17 sorry oppo r17 pro i have one interesting and it's basically the twin of the oneplus 6t in so many ways right same display same teardrop same in fingerprint display cheaper processor cheaper processor and a very interesting camera system in the back with the dual aperture and the time of flight camera but i'm talking about overall in terms of like the display subsystem right. oh, yeah. like the fact that I, i'm pretty gu- i'm pretty much guaranteed that those displays are interchangeable including the fingerprint sensor at this point yeah that would be funny yeah yeah, yeah. um but you know that's the nature of uh, uh you know companies that share technology it's actually probably beneficial for us because their economies of scale you know make that right. much more viable right so we can't complain too much ah yeah um <laughs> but the apex really i feel like you know this is I like that Vivo went through the effort of showing us a concept phone and especially flying folks out there to look at it. I wish it included me. Hopefully I can build that relationship <laughs> with them. But but the thing is, it's like, it's really nice to have a company go and say, look, this is kind of what we're thinking. And, you know, then eventually deliver some of that because it gets, it builds halo and excitement, right? And gets um, 
people to pay attention say, oh, wow, Vivo is doing something interesting and I'm curious what I'm going to be able to benefit from in the next few months when I upgrade my phone to a Vivo phone, right? So good marketing for them, I think. Yeah, I mean, uh, I'm still surprised that they're not that big in the West, especially Europe, because that's kind of Oppo's territory. Still, exactly. And obviously OnePlus. So I'm surprised. Yeah, for, for, for a brand that's not that big in the West, they're doing so much more uh, than what Oppo and OnePlus are seemingly working on. Yeah, it's, so, it's yeah. really interesting how they all have their personality, those BBK brands. And, mm-hmm. and I like that. I feel like, you know, it's nice to have that variety within the same umbrella. Yeah, yeah. they need that. So let's talk about the, the Meizu Zero. Uh, just because it's so close and so related, right? Uh, uh, do you want to fill people in on this, basically? Yeah, so Meizu, you know, uh, used to be a big deal in China. We're, like, we're talking about before Xiaomi even existed. So they recently came up with a also a concept phone called the Zero. And as you can tell from the name, it has... No buttons, no holes, blah, blah, blah. Well, actually... It does have a microphone hole. It has four microphone holes. Oh, well. From what I can see. So <laughs> There you go. Yeah, exactly. So it has holes. Um, yeah. So they took this to Indiegogo, did a crowdfunding campaign, but these phones, we're talk- they, they're, they're not cheap. We're talking about $1,300 a piece. And then there's like a $3,000 exclusive pioneering unit, some super ridiculous uh, exclusive uh, device that only, um, they only had one unit. Wow. So, yeah. So, the campaign lasted for one month, and in the end, they only had 29 backers, the project failed. So, yeah, so people started talking about it, and people were going to Meizu's official forum where the CEO is known to hang out. So eventually the CEO, Jack Wong, responded to what happened here. And he just said, oh, you know, this, this crowdfunding. So I'm reading this quote that which I translated. Oh, go for it. Yeah. So this, this, this crazy guy just said, this crowdfunding project was just the marketing team messing about. <laughs> the whole is yeah. The whole is phone is just a development project from the R and D department. We never intended to mass produce this project. You know that's wow. a lie, right? Wow. I think it's what a lie. I, I I think that they they He's were planning face. clearly they were planning to make it and then it mm-hmm. went south and now they're saying it's a marketing. Like I yeah. think that phone was much more realizable than you know a full fingerprint display um, Vivo Apex phone. And they could have made it. I, the prices seem reasonable for me in terms of what they were delivering, even though I didn't think it was a viable thing, which is why it crashed and burned and didn't get the follow through on Indiegogo that it needed to, to succeed. Mm-hmm. But I don't think that phone is impossible to make. And I think that phone is perfectly fine if you want that, if, if that's something you want. But they failed at their campaign and now they're backtracking and saying it was a marketing. I really feel that's what happened here. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, Jack Wong is known to talk shit as well. <laughs> so, yeah, that and and you know, he he knows how to hype, right? But saying something like this, that's not that's not good. 
That's not good for That's what I'm saying. It's not good. That's why morale. I think it's just an excuse at this point. Because can you imagine seeing this ahead? Like, if if the intent was, oh, it's going to fail. We know it's going to fail. It's just marketing. The people who back you, of course, you need to refund them. And you would. That's not the issue. But, I mean, they are putting a lot of their, like, hope and, you know, dreams yeah. into this, I guess. No, that's not cool. That's abusing crowdfunding, in my opinion. Yeah. Well, I mean, because since the project failed, it, it, they, there's no commitment. No, of There's course no not. But I'm just yeah, saying that's so. using using crowdfunding. If if the intent from the get go was to use crowdfunding purely as a marketing exercise and not at all caring if it would fail, that I feel is in disingenuous is the word disingenuous, disingenuous yeah, yeah. to crowdfunding, and yeah, that's yeah. not cool. You don't use crowdfunding for that, especially when you're a large company. I actually hate large companies using crowdfunding because they don't need yep. to, and it's BS. They could create their own like <laughs> equivalent to crowdfunding on their website, like pre-order mm-hmm. lottery system, mm-hmm. whatever, like OnePlus did. What you know, you could do your own thing and not poison the well. Because look, crowdfunding is going to get wrapped. But I worked at Pebble for a while, and we used crowdfunding, and it you know we showed that it was a viable thing, and it was a viable thing until people abused it, and it mm-hmm. got basically corrupted in many ways. And, uh, and it's unfortunate because there are many, many people out there. I'm not even talking about consumer technology here. I'm not even talking about startups that make gadgets. I'm talking about like people who just want to like make a run of 50 cool bamboo mugs. You know what I'm saying? Like they don't have the money to, to do this without crowdfunding. Crowdfunding was a really good solution. And actually, only if you think that Pebble in its later days, like I wasn't a part of this, but like when they continued crowdfunding, once they were established as a startup and well-funded, I think it was a ridiculous abuse of crowdfunding as well. You know? I, yeah, I'm not just... saying, like I, 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 I stand by this. I'm a very, very passionate about crowdfunding and, and, the, and, it, and it's a very sad state right now. And this doesn't help. Yeah, even um, I think this is a big problem in China. But I've, uh, at least um, when when these crowd so-called crowdfunding sites started in China, it already became quickly became a pre-ordering site anyway. Yeah, it's like a a bit like Groupon, you know, a group about yeah. purchases. Look, I think using it for pre-order is a difference. If you're a small company and that's all you can do. I think that, and you plan to deliver and you're honest and real and you're going to work hard and you're going to make it happen. Uh, you know, I think if the intentions come from the right place, I don't think that's wrong for a small company to use it for pre-orders. It's a very good e-commerce mm-hmm. solution. But I, I don't think that a big company should use it and mm-hmm. certainly not with absolutely no intent on shipping whatsoever, right? Yeah. That's when it becomes like, oh my God, seriously, what are you doing? Yeah, so basically, Mazu totally screwed up here. I think um, so. I mean, some some of the fans said they were disappointed. Some some were even saying things like, "Oh, you know, you shouldn't be so direct with what you what you say." Yeah, they. Yeah, I'm I'm sure some of the fans were with the. I don't know how many fans are left. To be honest, like everyone's going all over the places, like Xiaomi. I mean, how is Meizu doing out there? Because, you know, we have no sense of this. I mean, I know Meizu as a Chinese brand that was very successful. And it seems to me like Xiaomi totally stole their show. I have not seen a Meizu phone that was any good in so long. Do they even play the game? Are they in the game? Do they have a flagship that's worthy right now? Um, the, the most recent flagship I played with, I can't say I was impressed. If you if you if you're asking which flagship impressed me the most, it would be the one with the little secondary screen on the back. If you know ah, I remember that. Yeah, Meizu's sixteenth 
Throne, I think it's called. That's right. That was cool, right? That was kind of cool. At least they were trying something different, you know? Yeah. And But after that, uh, apparently, apparently that happened around the time when they had some big management changes. So that kind of explains a lot. <laughs> they haven't right. made it. They haven't made anything that interesting since then. Wow, that's kind of disappointing. And this, yeah, I mean, they only came out with this stupid uh, Indiegogo campaign, which didn't work out, and they kind of, they kind of, they're kind of digging themselves a hole with that response because you know that Jack Wan guy is a loose cannon. He he just says, yeah, <laughs> he's crazy. He yeah. is crazy. Um. Well, well, listen, I want to f- quickly jump into the topics a little bit on that uh, on that Oppo, simply because I want to talk about the OnePlus 7 very briefly. Um, Oppo F11 Pro was announced about 10 days ago now. Um, and the only reason I'm bringing it up is because, well, it's, it's interesting. I like talking about Chinese phones because they're interesting and my audience really seems to like it. I, I also have a lot of people from India on the sh- listening to the show. So obviously, you know, they pay attention to, uh, to phones out of China more. Um, but... To me, the story here is that, you know, a lot of Oppo phones pre, you know, kind of indicate what OnePlus might be up to. And this to me looks like it might be showing where the OnePlus 7 is heading, especially since there's been leaks and rumors of the OnePlus 7 having a a pop-up selfie camera. And so that F11 Pro, it's quite affordable, right? I think it's even made of plastic in the back. Uh, mm. plastic to feel like glass but nonetheless plus and it has a pop-up camera on the back and it has i don't know the specs it's mid-range uh mediatek mediatek Whoa. yeah is it P- helio p70 right p70 and so i mean what's interesting to me about this phone is a pop-up camera at a 200 something 250 us dollar price point right mm, is that I'm trying to find maybe it's price. a bit more 300 and then it has uh because it has a, a full front you know, display that covers the front mm-hmm. uh, almost fully with a tiny maybe little bezel at the bottom for the, the LCD uh, circuit and backlight and stuff. And then... Um, oh, check this out. What? It has a micro USB port. Yeah, that's I saw that and I was like, you know, so many <laughs> of the cheaper Chinese phones still have micro USB. I do not understand this. Huawei does this with the Honor brand. Get this, the Honor 8X, which is a great phone for the price, like in the $215 price range. It's a fantastic phone. It's completely let down by the US micro USB on it. Like, wh- why? Like, I mean, can you, like, you're, you're in China. I mean, you're in Hong Kong, but you are very connected to the Chinese phone ecosystem. Tell me the, why is this happening? Is this for India? What is the deal here? Because USB C, I know, is more expensive chipset wise, a little bit, but at this point, it should be a no brainer that you put USB C in everything. I can understand no, two years ago, but no. now. Uh, apparently, apparently, it's uh, when they when they put when they keep a micro USB port on a on a new phone. Th- this phone's going to not just India, but even less developed markets. I see. Uh, could be Indonesia. Could be. I, I don't know if the Philippines counts, but but you you get the idea. But why and, not get these people to switch over? Like they why don't flood their markets with cheap USB-C cables at the same time and because, like with that way we all benefit. Like because they are more price sensitive apparently. But it can't be that big of a difference. Anymore. I don't know. It was years ago, I get it. But chipset price wise, but wow. I can only I can only assume that that's the kind of market where they uh, where people are, are aren't on buying accessories right 
that that would be the only possible reason. I I need to I should look this up really. But every time I ask, like whenever I see a phone with a micro USB port, and and I ask them, they always say it's because certain certain markets they they don't want to make people buy this new type, spend more money on this new type of cable, uh, or change everything, and they they they're very conscious of whatever what what cables they already have they want to keep it that way blah 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 i don't know there's it's it's a certain mindset over there huh interesting i just feel like it's it's not helping the the future very much like you know i, I know i'm looking at it from a very different market and i'm aware of my my privilege and my my position in this yeah. world right like i would want to make this clear to people who are listening i understand this but i still feel that it's it's only delaying the inevitable pain that people are going to have. There's going to be a pain. We've, we've all seen it happen. iPhone users really experience that with a 30-pin to lightning transition. But that pain needs to happen because if we live in a new world where everybody's got USB-C, like that can become a, a universal standard like aided for Put it so this way. Long. Put it this way. Okay. Imagine you're one of the local residents in, I, I don't know, Indonesia. You've been so you're you're you don't have a big budget, and you see this new phone. Okay, it's affordable, but it has USB C port. Where, but at home you've got a whole bunch of micro USB port cables from previous phones. So, what do you do with those cables? But we all went through this. Yeah, but they don't they don't necessarily change phones that often. Maybe they. I mean, what I'm trying to say is, um, I'm just trying. I'm just imagining. No, no, I understand what, what, what you're saying. I get it. This is difficult. They have to. They have yeah. to. They have. They have, They may struggle to to think what 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 would ha what they can do with these cables that suddenly become obsolete. So cables are super cheap, right? Like we go to Hong Kong in the computer market and we buy them for ten cents a pop, right? Now they're not very good ones. No, not ten cents. Not ten. Cents. What are they? Fifty cents. No, more than that. We're not talking about bulk buy. Well, let's say Meizu has a budget and Huawei and Honor have the budget to bulk buy. So why don't they throw two cables in there, an adapter and two cables? I know it's going to cost some money, but if they do no, that to everyone, not, they can no, bring no, no, everybody no. to the Miriam. new technology. No, no, no. It's not about... I think it's more about what they can't do with, uh, with the quote-unquote obsolete uh, belongings that they have at home. Ah, I. That's what I'm trying to get at. Like they don't. They would feel bad. They don't want to abandon the things that still work. Right. I think. I think they're. I'm. I'm just. I'm just whiffing it. You know. I'm just. I. I. I guess that's the problem. I right. think that's like that's the problem. That's like the cultural thing. They don't want to waste. Understood. Uh, yeah. Now I get it. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. It's not about what you can give them. It's about what they what what should they do. It's with. interesting. I wonder how long this is going to happen. It's got to eventually switch over. Like it it can't go on like this. It's <laughs> such a better pro. Uh, uh, it's such a better standard. Like in every possible way. Like fast charging support, all kinds of things. I mean, ugh. Yeah. But anyway, like the R11 looks interesting to me. Is that what it's called? R11? No, F11? No, F11. F11, thank you. The F11 looks interesting to me for the money, and I think it's interesting because it shows what potentially we're going to see on the OnePlus 7, which I know is going to make so many people cringe because, you know, 
There's so many issues here. Number one, no waterproofing. Number two, the time for the camera to open to get face identification, which on the OnePluses is very fast. Not secure, but very, very fast right now. And is going to slow down because of the mechanics involved in opening and closing the camera. Um, yeah. All kinds of other issues. Reliability, longevity, uh, mm -hmm. because as soon as you add moving parts, even though you do, you do a very good job at in creating, building it, it's, uh, you know, it's going to cause problems. I, I was at MWC and I saw the Energizer 1800 milli, 18,000 milliamp hour phone, the big thick slab. Crazy phone. And it has a pop-up yeah. selfie camera as well. And that was broken. Like it was, uh, it had been dropped with the, and it's very heavy as you can imagine because the battery pack. It had been dropped on the camera with the camera open and you could not see physically a lot of, like there was no impact damage, but the camera had a, um, like it would still pop out and retract properly, but the, the actual sensor had a big crack in it. Like the lens was cracked. You could see clearly that something had happened to it. Yeah. So that's what happens when you only have one prototype. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, they had a bunch there. They had a bunch. Um, what, of the same model? Yeah. Yeah. No, no I remember oh, okay. their phones are made by uh, Elephone. Ugh. They're the same okay. phones. So what they did, well, this is a unique phone for, for, for Energizer. Remember, Energizer brand is, is a French company that, that licensed the brand and makes these right. phones in China, by, yeah. made by Elephone, sold by Avenir Telecom is the name of the company in France that rebrands uh, them okay. Energizer. So that phone is actually an Elephone phone that they re-engineered the casing to put a larger battery in. And they actually also sell the, the regular Elephone version of this, which is phone with a big battery, like a 6,000 or 7,000 uh, milliamp hour battery, but looks normal like a phone. And they sell both. And they're exactly identical in terms of specs and in terms of aesthetics, other than the one is thicker because of that massive 18,000 milliamp hour battery. I did a bit of digging after that because I was like, okay, who's making these phones? Why do they have pop-up cameras? Why does this phone look familiar to me? And it was Elephone. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, pop-up cameras, I'm not against. Like, I want you to understand, folks. I just feel like OnePlus is heading in the wrong direction. I feel that the OnePlus 7... You know, here's what I, my wish list is one plus seven. Of course, 5G, 855, good price, great features, blah, blah, blah. All that stuff you expect. But here's what I want. I want a hole punch display or teardrop notch. I want uh, a really, really good in-display fingerprint sensor to replace what's kind of broken on the 6T, either yep. capacitive or optical, whatever. And I want a uh, better camera system in the back with time of flight. And uh, I wanted a headphone jack to come back. And that's... That's not happening. No, but it should. <laughs> but it should because OnePlus made a promise to its customers that it broke. And they have a chance to come back on it. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's rumors that the P30 Pro or P30, one of them, will have a headphone jack. When you consider that they removed it from previous iterations, that's mm -hmm. interesting. If why, mm -hmm. why, Maybe Huawei will do it. Maybe they won't. If they do it, though, that sets a precedent for a company coming back on something. And mm -hmm. I don't know why OnePlus wouldn't. And more importantly, the big thing I want on a OnePlus 7 is a proper IP rating, which I know is not going to happen because it doesn't ha it's going to have a pop-up camera, right? So, but this is where I think OnePlus should be headed. And I think they're making mistakes here, you know? Yeah, I totally agree. I, I don't think uh, as, as cool as it looks, I don't think pop-up camera is the way forward. It's like back. It's kind of backwards. I think the, the them doing it is simply because they want to be able to say we have a full screen display with no notches, no no interruptions, and I get that. But 
I don't know if a pop. I, I think the Mi Mix 3 does a much better job here. Having a, you know, it's it's still not waterproof and still subject to moving parts, but at least it's not electric. It's and it gives you that fidget spinner thing that's so cool. That I finally played with it at MWC because we don't. I have I don't have a review in it of the regular one yet. I played with the 5G version, and wow, I love that. It's so well done. It feels so good. You know, you don't need mm. a motor. Just do it that way. Hmm. The only justification would be uh, for fitting a larger sensor and, you know, yeah. which means a better camera. Then, yeah, I'd be fine with that because I can't say I'm totally happy with the front camera on the 6 and 16. It's not good. I mean, once it's... you play with a Pixel, nothing's good. Not even the Galaxy <laughs> S10. I'm sorry. Like yeah. It just, I'm, I'm sorry, Pixel 3 and 3XL, uh, once you take a selfie with that phone, you never go back. Like, it's unbelievable to me. I literally will pull out that phone specifically for selfies. And any, mm. anything portrait. I take all my rear portrait photos with, of pe mm. other people with the, with the Pixel 3XL without even thinking about it. Nothing can touch it. I have tried every phone that has time of flight, multiple cameras, blah, blah, blah. None of them, none of them mm. can do a photo portrait mode like mm -hmm. the single little measly lens on the back of the pixel 3 xl and pixel 3 and pixel 2 and pixel 2 xl by by association since they inherited a lot of that mm -hmm. um it's it's crazy to me that nobody's matching i think samsung's come very close with the one the new galaxy 10 s10 series but from what i've seen because i don't have one but nobody touched i mean oneplus not even in the same league like iphone yeah i actually think that it's better than it was, but it's interesting because I've had this discussion on the podcast a few times. I think the iPhone XR is the better camera of the three. And people are like, are you crazy? It doesn't, it's missing a camera. I'm like, exactly. And that's the point. It's the better camera because when you take portraits with the XS uh, and XS Max, you, it uses a telephoto for the portrait. So it has a, a worse f-stop, like a, a small yeah, aperture why, and a worse why, sensor. Why is that? So, why they could they easily that? in software change that because the 10R uses the main lens and uses, you know, fake bokeh like using the dual pixel autofocus to get the second the layer of depth. And it does such a better job in low light. You can take portraits of the 10R that blow but, away the 10S. But, but do you know why the, uh, the 10 and 10S use the telephoto lens to do portrait? I never understood that. Because uh, that's what they've done with the uh, iPhone 8 and Plus and the iPhone yeah, 10. And, and they, they haven't evolved it. And, and they, maybe they didn't feel that their AI uh, blurring for a portrait mode was as good at cutting out faces as their assisted so by another lens mode. And they decided to stick with that. I think they should do a software revision and swap the two or give people the option because it would be so, much better. So telephoto is just for the sake of adding real bokeh yeah. yeah yeah i mean it adds enough real bokeh that the algorithm can do a better job at cutting the face out but honestly if you see a 10r portrait taken over the rear camera it's like it's no contest and especially in low light it's like and also you don't have to reframe like you don't have to pull back because it doesn't you know you, you can get close-up portraits that look really great anyway whatever it's just, just an aside saying that front-facing camera are making selfies worse by far mm. in the lab. I feel that 
I really feel that selfies taken with front cameras in the last few years have gotten worse because of the beautification modes and the crappy oh. portraits that don't work and the, oh. le the lenses and the sensors being so bad. Like the only one that really feels like pushes the envelope forward and really makes it look like you took this with the DSLR or like a, an RX100 or something really nice are selfies taken with the Pixel 3 XL and 3. They're just like, mm. wow, really amazing. Even I'm blown away and I take one and I'm like, really? Wait, like what, what sorcery is this? <laughs> like, this looks like something out of, of Canon 5D with like an F01.8 lens. Like, Jesus. No. I mean, at I'm, the resolutions that we're used to on a phone. Like, okay, don't get me wrong, okay. right? Like, I'm not pixel peeping here. I'm just saying like overall detail, overall, look, yeah, color feel, balance, yeah. lighting, everything is just so solid. But what I'm saying is that you can't even get skin that looks realistic on any freaking front-facing camera outside of the Pixel. Like, even if you turn beauty mode, the Galaxy S10 still smooths faces out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I what the hell is wrong with these cameras? Even Vivo is uh, just as guilty. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, that's basically the, the whole thing about the Oppo F11. Interesting, interesting device. Forbearer mm. of the what we might see on the OnePlus 7 for better or for worse. Uh, let's mm. jump on a couple of things. Um, there are more leaks on the, we just mentioned the, the P30 series, uh, Huawei's upcoming flagship uh, that will be released in Paris uh, on March 26th. Um, there are there have been a bunch of leaks, we covered them last week about the Periscope, uh, zoom lens, etc. But the latest leaks are uh, specs uh, from the, the Taiwan uh, and Indonesia, I think, uh, uh, licensing bodies. Uh, 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 so anyway, <laughs> we got some specs. It, it looks like from the from the specs, it's it's going to be the what am I talking about? Kirin nine eighty, right? Uh, yep. Same chip as the Mate twenty Pro, and we're going to yep. see uh, you know some RAM, uh, some amounts of RAM, which I rem don't remember right now. I think it's six to eight on the P thirty and eight for sure on the P thirty Pro or something like that. There's also yep. a P thirty Lite that appears in there, and then their model numbers are shown. Anyway, I, I think it's exciting. There's a lot of excitement building around this phone i'm personally very stoked i love the p20 i'm a huge fan of the mate 20 pro i use all almost all my product photos taken since the mate 20 pro was launched i've been taken with the mate 20 pro like mm. at cs and at mwc i did not use my camera to use for photo for product photos i use the mate 20 i don't know i tried i tried using the um well i've been i've been trying the mate 20 pro and there's still something about the camera that i don't like um the, the greenery still has always been Huawei's weakness, so we can leave that out. Um, I don't know. It just, it just, uh, it's it's clear that they've they're still throwing a lot of additives, MSG into their photos. <laughs> yeah, sure. maybe, but I'm just saying it's finally the first phone I've been able to use professionally to take photos of other phones and use them mm. for publication and not feel like I'm missing yeah. out on anything. I I so, I don't know. I see a lot of compression, and yeah, it's just not natural. At least compared to the OnePlus 6T, anyway. But then again, I think the OnePlus 6T is very, very, very good for for this mm. time for, for and the six as well, obviously for for uh, OnePlus. I mean, they've mm. really stepped up their game. Um, but they don't. They can't. They can't compete in low light with the Pixel, the Mate. At no, all. like not even remotely. No. And that's the no, problem, right? Well, I take a lot of these product photos in bad lighting, and it just works, right? Yeah. Um, 
I use my Pixel 3 XL to do product photos a little bit as well, um, but mm. not quite as much. The P, the you know, sorry, the Mate 20 has really become my battle axe now. And I do all my, a lot of my video content on the Pixel 3 XL with an external mic. So mm. um, I'm losing less and less real cameras. That's the reality mm. of it. Uh, it also makes my travel a lot lighter, which is great. Um, but anyway, P30 leaks, P30 Pro leaks, P30 Lite leaks. Um, what we know so far is quad camera uh, on the P30 Pro, uh, some sort of telephoto with uh, periscope type design, maybe with a variable zoom, uh, mechanical variable zoom. Um, we know there's going to be a wide angle. We know there's going to be a really big sensor for the main camera, uh, like the Mate 20 Pro and P20 Pro. And then we're going to see uh, a time of flight camera added to that for assisting with portrait and, and getting a depth map. And, you know, I think we're going to start seeing time of flight cameras on all the flagships front and back in the next year, because for AR, as soon as, as, soon as you have a 5G phone, AR becomes a much more viable thing because of low latency on the network. Um, so you can start doing some cool stuff and you want that time of flight camera front and back. Mm. I think it's more like a, let's see what they do with it. Let's build it, you know, thing at this point. Have you found much, have you found much use uh, for, with that time of flight camera on your Honor View 20? No, um, it, I mean, there are some AI uh, apps that, you know, you, that are more demo-ish than anything. They, they're cool. Like, they have games, I think, uh, that, that showcase. Basically, you can put the phone um, and then you're... The it's like a dancing game. Dancing games and stuff, yeah. yeah. So that that's cool. It's more of a demo and proof of concept. Same with the Oppo R17 that I have, the R17 like, yeah. Pro. It has a yeah. time-of-flight camera, and honestly... I'm not noticing on these two phones a particularly improvement in terms of portrait photography brought on by the dead mm. time of flight sensor, but I'm also even not sure they use the time of flight sensor for portrait yet. Yeah. I am pretty confident that if Huawei puts a time of flight sensor on the back of the P30 Pro, it will have some purpose for the whole Leica subsystem. So mm. I think that'll be interesting. Uh, I'm much more excited about what... Um, LG showed at MWC on the G8 in the front time of flight camera. They have a very, very advanced sensor there. And that's going to, not only does it allow you face ID, like proper face identification that's secure, like the iPhone does, but it also uh, does crazy things like read the veins in your palm for identification and let you do gesture stuff, which I think is completely stupid and gimmicky. But the point is that it's a very precise, you know, time of flight front camera system. And it could benefit the phone in some way. And, but I don't think the use cases and apps are there yet. And what I really want is Huawei to impress us and say, look, we finally are the first to use a time of flight sensor in a meaningful way for rear photography on a camera centric phone um, that, you know, makes use of the depth, depth information to read, to give us some uh, a quantum leap forward in camera photography, which the 20, the P20 Pro introduced a quantum leap forward in camera and so to some extent the May 20 because they'd further refined that but added the wide angle and that wide angle is the first and you know one of a few today that has autofocus which lets you do macro photography um, mm. and all kinds of interesting that's the other reason I use it for product photos if I want to take a close up of something I can focus up to one centimeter on the May 20 Pro with the wide angle lens so and it you know it's not the best in low light compared to the main sensor but it still, um, it still does really well because it has that AI stabilization that it benefits from. And um, yeah, I mean, again, I think Huawei has done some 
pretty incredible work in terms of imaging in the last year. And so I'm really stoked about it. We'll see what the P30 is going to bring to the table. Hmm. So apparently um, there are some photos, uh, sample, real sample photos of the Huawei P30 Pro now. Yeah, um, well, that, I don't, I don't want to get into that whole saga of like people. <laughs> that seems to happen every time where they, they take photos with, you know, they claim the photos, are, or they don't claim, but they imply the photos were taken with the device, but it actually were taken with a different camera, usually a big DSLR of some kind. Hmm. I do not understand why they keep making these mistakes. All the manufacturers I, do it. It's stupid. Yeah, I, I don't, I, I just don't understand why they don't just use, uh, show off their real sample photos in the first place because you know full well that they they can do it and they have great uh, f images. They have great cameras. The ca and what I'm looking at here, they look great. They they look fine. But God, I don't know. And I, I'm I'm not one of those people who who are like. Oh, Huawei should be prosecuted for that. I don't. I don't give a damn, to be honest. No, I. I think it's people are really being stupid about this. It's like Nokia did it a while back, and thankfully mm -hmm. they didn't. They didn't do that with the 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 nine pure view. But but like everybody's like you know so many so many of them have done it. I, I don't know exactly, but I remember this scandal coming up with multiple manufacturers over the years, and scandal is a big word here. It's really nothing. Like I just forget it. Like just. Just uh, give me the real photos. I can't wait to get my, f my hands on the phone and actually try it. And I'm sure it won't disappoint. It it'll probably need a yeah. lot of software tweaking in its first iterations, like the P20 Pro required, like the Mate 20 Pro. But look, the reality is Huawei has something special with their partnership with Leica, and they've delivered on that. And, mm -hmm. you know, we should all be very excited about the potential of what could happen here. And let's see what happens, you know? Um, well, the photos I'm seeing, are, they look fantastic. They're coming from uh, a Malaysian actress called Fasha Sander. Okay. These are her wedding photos. And oh, wow. Obviously, Huawei's covering the <laughs> cost, I guess. They look great. Well, they good. look great. The Zoom. I'll have, Zoom to find a, I'll have to find an article about that. I'll send you a link. At the time we started recording this, I wasn't aware that these photos existed. So It just happened. It literally, um, someone just tagged me. Cool. Yeah, yeah. Share yeah. that with me yeah. at some point. Um, we got mm -hmm. a very little time left, and I want to cover a few more things very, very quickly. Um, let's let's cover one thing, and that's the uh, you folks at Engadget published some uh, Nokia Nine Preview samples uh, oh, yeah. about a week ago, and I, mm -hmm. they didn't make it in time for the last podcast. So, you know, what's your pixel peeping analysis so far? I would need to get the raw images to really tell to give a better judgment, but um. I mean, I think the dynamic range is actually pretty good. I, I, I don't know. I mean, they there's there's a very limited set of images here. A lot of them are not well lit. I would say. Uh huh. I don't. <laughs> like I feel. I feel. My take is. I feel it's hard to tell from these samples. Um, yeah. I Chris did yeah. the review. The the samples, right? Yeah, and right. I, I think that he obviously had limited time with the device um, yeah. because I feel like there could be a lot, you know, much a much more interesting photo walk to be done yeah. with this device coming. And I think that knowing Chris and he's really awesome. He is very busy. He he's super, been super, super busy, busy, and I think he didn't have access for a long time. But so again, the proof is in the pudding. Very much like the P30 Pro, I'm waiting 
to get my, I, I, you know, you can get the Nokia 9 Preview in the US right now. I mean, I think they're sold out in many places, but for the first few days that it was sold, you could have, I could have walked into a Best Buy and bought one. Um, but I do, I'd rather wait for a unit. If I start buying phones that I am really excited about, I'm going to start really hurting budget wise. <laughs> so. Um, mm -hmm. They promised me a review unit. It's coming. Um, I will absolutely let you folks know what's up. I think this is going to be a monster, especially if you're willing to use RAW and start doing some developing in Lightroom, which is included in the phone. So we'll see what happens. I'm I'm really excited about this. Um, I don't I don't think it's going to solve, and you know, I think it's going to definitely be a quantum leap in imaging again. But it's not going to solve all the problems that we have on mobile photography is just going to add a whole new dimension, like the ability to refocus, the ability to get different angles, the ability to get really great dynamic range. This is one of the things that I think that nobody really talks about is, you know, because we have HDR now, we can capture pretty good dynamic range with HDR, but, but intrinsic dynamic range that's built into the sensor in the camera system is something that's really lacking on phones yep. compared to like standalone cameras. And if they can solve that, that's what I mean by a quantum leap forward in imaging for mobile. So let's see what happens with these three monochromes and two color lenses, uh, sensors rather. I'm, I'm curious to find out. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, Richard, we should wrap it up, unfortunately. But do you want to tell folks where they can find you on the Internet? Of course, you write for Engadget, but you have like Twitter and Instagram handles and stuff probably you want to share. Yeah, thanks. Uh, so I'm at Richard Lai. So I'm Richard L-A-I on Twitter. And uh, I think it's the same for oh Instagram. It's Richard Lai HK. Although I'm not that active, I should work harder on that. But uh, yeah, I'm mostly active on Twitter. So, yeah. Come find me and uh, let's have a good time. <laughs> Absolutely. You, you definitely should follow Richard. Uh, Richard is, uh, like me, he's been in the business for a really long time. He's based in Hong Kong. He's got really good access to a lot of the Asian market devices and, and you know, relationships with people there. So his insight uh, on Engadget articles is particularly exciting to me. And, of course, you write for Engadget English, but you're also the editor-in-chief for Engadget Chinese. So if you know how to read... Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, go for the Engadget Chinese site as well, right? <laughs> yeah, that's right. Chinese.engadget.com. There you go. And you know where to find me. I'm at Tankerl on Instagram and Twitter. That's T-N-K-G-R-L, like the comic book character, but drop the vowels. And uh, my Twitter has, you know, rantings and ravings, and my Instagram has beautiful photos of whatever I'm wherever I'm traveling, but also devices. I like to take device photos and put them up on um, on my Instagram. And then finally, um, mobiletechpodcast.com is where the, mo the podcast lives and you should, uh, you should subscribe. If you just uh, happen to listen to this show and you enjoyed it, please subscribe, tell your friends. We're also on all the big platforms like Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Pocket Casts, Overcast, TuneIn Radio, a bunch of other places. So it should be easy for you to find the show if you don't want to just use the RSS feed at mobiletechpodcast.com. And then um, also there's a YouTube channel that goes with the show. Uh, and it's uh, youtube.com slash Miriam Joar, my full name spelled out. If you don't know how to spell that, very easy. Go to my Twitter at Tankerl without the vowels and find my name there. Put, paste it next to youtube.com without the space and bang, you get a YouTube channel, which is a compliment to the show and has videos, hands-on, unbox, lots of unboxing. I like unboxing things and stuff like that. So uh, check it out. Uh, finally, I want to thank our sponsor, uh, Audible. Audible.com is where it's at for... You know, all things that are audiobooks, if you love books, but for some reason you cannot physically read them on a Kindle or on paper because, you know, maybe you drive all day or something, 
I think it's a great platform to explore. They have a really good selection. And my favorite thing about it is a lot of books actually read by the authors who wrote them. So you kind of get their voice and, and it's really, really cool. Um, and so here's the thing. You can get 30-day free trial by going in the show description uh, here below uh, and, and get, uh, get, a, get that special deal and you'll support the podcast. Uh, if you are listening and you want to type in a URL, it's audibletrial.com slash mobiletech. That's audibletrial.com slash mobile tech 30 day free trial if you join and you will support the podcast in doing so it's not just like a normal sign up so consider it if you like books and you want to get a great audiobook platform thanks audible for being a longtime sponsor of the show really appreciate it and richard thank you for being a guest on show number 101 woohoo right yay thank you yeah let's have you again so sometime in the future soon and um uh, Stay tuned for another show. We'll have something for you next week. Uh, I'll be at GDC, the Game Developer Conference in San Francisco. So Ooh, nice. maybe we'll have a bit of a game-focused show. I'm not sure yet. We'll see what, what guests I can line up. So stay tuned and cheers, everybody. Bye. This has been the Mobile Tech Podcast with Tank Girl, proudly presented by worldpodcasts.com. You can visit us online at mobiletechpodcast.com.